0: All right, mate. How's it going? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. You? Yeah, I'm all right, to be fair. Now, I have got you a little present. Really?
1: Get a load of this. Oh, a beer. You know me too well.
0: Get your head out the sand, boy. That's not just a beer. What you have in your hands now is the brand new Wild IPA from the Wild Beer Company. Fermented with a unique yeast blend, which provides the beer with a level of acidity that cuts through rich food and a complimentary pink grapefruit hop note from the Talus Hops. It's balanced with a dry finish and a low but moorish bitterness.
1: That is nice. Very fruity. I imagine that goes very well with a cheeseburger or maybe a nice lobster. You got any more of those? I'm all out, I'm afraid, but you can get yours
0: from wildbeerco.com right now. You can get one for £3.50, or maybe treat yourself and get a 440ml 12-pack with a free Wild IPA glass for only £39.99. No other beer pairs with food quite like Wild IPA. I thought you said you didn't have any more. Well, maybe one or two. Try the new Wild IPA from the Wild Beer Company. Just head to wildbeerco.com and get yours now. That's Wild IPA from the Wild Beer Company. The perfect beer to pair with food. welcome along to You Have Been Watching, the podcast that invites a different guest each episode to choose some of their favourite telly shows. They'll be asked to pick four separate shows from each of our categories and a couple of bonus choices as well. Why? Because they've won our made-up competition to spend a weekend away at a luxurious travel lodge in the heart of Preston. Joining me as ever for this televisual adventure is Luke Bateman, a man who this week went to an escape room, but whose biggest challenge was getting out of the
1: multi-story car park afterwards. And straggling along at sloth speed is my best mate and arch-nemesis, Elliot Williams, a man who five times a week lives off smoked salmon with rice crackers. How freaking dull. <laughs> Hello, are you That's all right? Mad.
0: I'm good. Tell me more about this escape room then. Go well, on. Well,
1: i have never done an escape room before and I was offered the opportunity, uh, albeit with a mask on the whole time, given the times that we're living in at the moment. And I went to the escape room uh, with a couple of cousins of mine and an auntie. We were offered a couple of choices. We were offered... Uh, a few rooms we were offered the disappearing duchess all about a spooky dockyard um, and, and they were all
0: available were they
1: yeah these are all available and a ship that had gone missing and ghostly tales i was offered murder at the movies <laughs> and which one did you go for in the uh, that was all about the summer of love that one you'd have liked that one yeah that sounds more like me that one um, and I, in the end we went for 1957 a hidden past all about um, domestic and international relations during the cold war where secret services are unveiled from <laughs> that the sounds so much like your knew- family <laughs>
0: that is the most boring one of the entire yeah.
1: list actually it was quite fun and um, it's funny I know you, you've done one before haven't you You've done a couple maybe yeah I have and i would never done it but it's funny what you do to yourself in the moment when you're under the time pressure I decided that I was a map expert um, <laughs> so I was solving all these anagrams and then I was having to work out the distances between all these places in the country and find the coordinates and I don't even know if I was being any help until about half an hour through and I discovered this distancing which unlocked a code and then it yeah it was great we got out with 10 seconds to spare
0: that's good didn't oh, yeah. get out
1: we congratulations did. well the guy did give us some help obviously um yeah. you know they come in on the intercom and they sort yeah. of say do you want a little bit of intel i've got yes please did, he, did he
0: play a part
1: no, he didn't really. If I'm honest, I hope he's not listening. Um, if I'm honest with you, he was crap. <laughs> really? Yeah. Could you have done it better? Yeah, a lot better. There was absolutely no expression in it whatsoever. He was saying all the lines and the words and he was trying to do the story, but he was speaking so fast. He was going, hello, guys. So we got a very scary one. So international relations and race relations are going on here. And um, he was really bad, actually. So
0: this was a piece of piss in comparison to getting out of the multi story yeah, car. Park. I tell you,
1: before we actually got there, the irony was we'd finished the thing and it was in, it was in like this kind of converted. Uh, cottage that the whole escape room thing was in and um, my brother went to open the door to get out of the thing to, to get into the open real world and he actually pulled the door handle off the thing <laughs> and we were actually trapped in the building that had the escape rooms for five minutes <laughs> so
0: that was the real escape seriously room.
1: we nearly had to go upstairs to say to the guy i'm sorry we, we can't get out <laughs> and then we couldn't find the car in the multi-story yeah. car park yeah so that 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 took forever yeah
0: We've got Lucy Porter on the show today, comedian, live at the Apollo comedian. I mean, she's
1: been on everything known to the sun, hasn't she? There's a long list we've got there of all the things she's done. She's done a load of stuff.
0: It was a lovely coffee morning, uh, relaxing thing, wasn't it? Um, We both had the most horrendous colds known to man. Uh, And I especially sounded like Zippy from Rainbow. (laughs) It was a little bit nasal, but I think you got away with it. (laughs) People seem to be astounded by the amount of research that we do. They always say, oh, you've run our Wikipedia
1: dry. And then
0: actually two questions later, they say, oh, Christ, how did you know about that? We really go into the depths of research, don't we? Yeah,
1: we try to be thorough. We try to ask them something they've never been asked before. (laughs) Um, I don't know if we did that, but I hope we did. I think we did. She was a lovely, lovely lady.
0: So enjoy this little coffee morning we had with Lucy Porter in her episode of You Have Been Watching. (laughs) 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 So here on You Have Been Watching, we imagine that our special guest has won a weekend away to a hotel room in Preston, where all they can do is lie back and watch telly. They'll be choosing four of their favourite ever TV shows, and we'll be hearing why they've chosen them and what it means to them at the ar- at the end at the end of <laughs> the, the arth-end proceedings <laughs> at the end we'll also ask them which television personality they want to spend their weekend
1: with and what they'd like to eat Our competition winner today is Lucy Porter Born 27th of January 1973 in Croydon, England Presumably conceived around 27th of April 1972, Lucy is a British Comedian, actress and writer She's a festival regular, TV regular And radio regular, that's right, she's regular Ask her doctor (laughs) After attending (laughs) Wallington High School for Girls Lucy went on to graduate from Manchester University With a degree in English literature So she knows more than a little about the arts Talking of little, Lucy is a self-confessed Shorty, standing at four foot eleven sitting at two foot two but that hasn't stopped her from becoming a giant of the comedy world live at the apollo the news quiz the now show qi literally you name it she's done it lucy porter really is thrilled to have had her height her education and her date of birth exposed already on the show but we promise that's the last mentions of those ever again welcome lucy it's a pleasure to have you any discrepancies in there
2: you have rung Wikipedia dry, haven't you? Actually, absolutely. no, we've, we've
1: tried to avoid some Wikipedia. We've got one question coming up, I have to confess, but we've tried. Uh, is that true? Is everything true there?
2: It is absolutely true. Yeah, unlike my husband, whose Wikipedia entry is riddled with lies, but
1: he quite likes it <laughs> because, because he feels exactly like a spy. Justin Edwards, yeah, riddled with lies, is it?
2: It is. Well, it says he was born somewhere. He wasn't born. And uh, he's... Oh, also, i tell you what we've discovered recently. So we got um, an Alexa. Where if you ask Alexa, uh, as the children did, they said, Alexa, is Lucy Porter married? And it says, no, Lucy Porter is not married. She was married to the actor Justin Edwards. Oh. So Alexa is either some sort of soothsayer who is predicting my divorce <laughs> or somebody's got to her. Uh, How um, strange. But it, I, I'm delighted. Who I'm, are well, these I'm people
1: that make face? up the Facts of actors and make up where they were born. What, what, what? Have they got nothing else to do?
2: It's an odd thing, isn't it? But I've never, thing. I've never edited a Wikipedia page uh, or indeed fiddled with Alexa. But, well, uh, there's the scoop we've got for you one there. One there. <laughs>
1: Lucy has never fiddled with Alexa.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. That's what we're after. Uh, I mean, this is going to really bore you now, this question, but I- I'm going to read out a list uh, of some of the panel shows, the news programmes and the quiz shows that you've appeared on. Uh, and a warning, this is a really long list, so be prepared for <laughs> absolute boredom on your half, least. But it is actually really... Really extraordinary. So you have appeared on the Celebrity Chase twice, Pointless Celebrities twice, Room 101 twice, QI three times, Mock the Week three times, Impossible Celebrities, Would I Lie to You, Alan Davis as You're Untitled, Celebrity 15 to 1, Britain's Got More Talent, Mastermind, Have I Got News for You, Never Mind the Buzzcocks twice, Rich and Judy, Loose Women, The One Show, The Rob Bryden Show, Newsnight, pestle on Sunday, The Right Stuff, The Jeremy Vine Show, insert name here, and last but not least, The Celebrity Week is Link. I mean, that is not even half the list, really. That's not really a Show you haven't done, is there one or two that jump out to you there as being particularly memorable at all, or do they all kind of blend into one?
2: Well, you've missed out actually some of the finest ones, uh, which probably nobody remembers because a lot of the early TV I did was kind of pre YouTube and it just disappeared off into the ether. So I do remember doing there was one called Stars in Fast Cars, um, which I did very early on in my career, and it was me, Carol Smiley, John Fashion Who, the Fash,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: uh, yeah. lovely Dougie Anderson. TV presenter. I think there were a couple of other people and um, we went to Throxton Racecourse which I think is down near you somewhere, isn't it? I think yeah, it's I a can't
1: sound familiar wheelchair. with Throxton Racecourse. I haven't it's frequented somewhere, it somewhere very sounds often. Sounds delightful.
2: Throxton Racecourse and um, yeah, and we all bombed around and me and Carol Smiley who is lovely, one of the nicest women you could ever hope to meet. You'd hope so with a name um, like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, Smiley oh, by name, Smiley, Smiley by Carol nature. Smiley. She is the loveliest woman and we all, um, yeah, we had an amazing time and I ended up shooting footballs into a goal with a digger, you know, like the digger 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 um what do you call that the scoop the scoop that bit um so you get a digger like a sort of jcb and then you sort of wind back the arm and then thwack it at the football and get it into the goal and it is why that is not a televised sport why that is not an olympic sport i do not know (laughs) but that's one that really sort of stands out they've all been weird i mean it's weird going on telly And um, I do it less now, obviously, because I'm older and, uh, you know, television opportunities become less frequent. And also you won't do a lot of the crap that you would have done when you were in your 20s and keen. And um, it's a really, it's a really strange thing. Being on telly is just... I love watching telly and then being on it, you think, oh, well, that'll be exciting. But it's kind of, it's just always surreal. Like doing Have I Got News For You, I kind of, I hardly said anything because I was just sat there going, oh my God, I'm on the Have I Got News For You set. (laughs) (laughs) And it took me about an hour just to get over that.
1: We were watching some of your your appearance of Would I Lie to You, actually, uh, last night, which was hilarious, actually, by the way. How does that how does that work? Was that good fun? I assume that record goes on for well, well longer than we ever get to see.
2: Some days of our lives in that studio, We yeah. were it was like <laughs> lockdown. We were basically in that studio for three months. I was lucky enough to be on with Bob Mortimer.
1: Who's obviously just a legend. The...
2: I mean, anyone who's ever watched Would I Lie to You with Bob Mortimer knows that that is the finest television you can see. So again, I mean, I really felt like a massive fraud on that because all I did was enjoy Bob Mortimer and it is it's like watching magic happen when he starts weaving his tails, it's like he's a sort of tiny little Rumpelstiltskin figure with his magic <laughs> fingers weaving gold out of thin air. And it's uh, it's absolutely incredible. So, yeah, you know, just a privilege to be in that room.
0: Amazing. Uh, and quite the reverse, actually. Didn't you start as a researcher for Granada Television when you first started out? I mean, you must have been asked to research some extraordinary things. Is there any that stand out to you there? Any shows that you worked on or things that you had to research?
2: Yeah, I mean, when I say researcher, I mean, that's... So I did initially go into working in television because I wanted to do proper TV like there was a show called World in Action which was a very hard hitting current affairs show and I wanted to be an investigative journalist, I wanted to be KAD basically um, but when I got there they said we don't think that you know, uh, World in Action is quite for you. Have you thought about Richard and Judy? <laughs> and I got kind of more steered down the entertainment route, which I, in many ways, I, I have them to thank for where I've ended up. So I kind of uh, started off doing things like um, Stars in Their Eyes. I helped out a bit on that. So yeah, it wasn't really researching as much as wrangling looky likes for a bit. I always remember the Stars in Their Eyes live final where um, it all got a bit heated and I had to break up a fight between in not Gary Barlow and not Gary Newman and it was such a surreal thing because Gary Barlow and Gary Newman were sort of squaring off to each other and I was like Gary's it's not worth it Gary's <laughs> yes yeah, crazy times
1: that is phenomenal and um, a piece of what started as lazy Wikipedia research about your one-to-one commercial I've now since followed up by watching it and I've also heard you speak about it it's an absolute scream and listen I won't press you for too long about the details because if you haven't seen it people People listening. It's it's hilarious. It's you talking about a free phone, isn't it? And there's a fox puppet, and it's all quite sort of nineties, and it's kind of it's very very surreal. How did that job come about initially?
2: Early on, I was young and I needed the money. <laughs> And I did this advert which uh, Harry Hill had done uh, a campaign for this same company and people had voted those adverts, the most annoying adverts of all time, and uh, everyone hated them and then they were looking for someone to take over. And I really, you know, the amount you used to make on an advert in those days, doing an advert was the most well-paid thing you could ever do. And I think it still is for like big celebrities. If you do a celebrity endorsement, it's huge. Now for jobbing actors, it's not, you know, it's not massive, massive money. But at that time, it was a life-changing sum for me in that it was the amount of my, I think it was £11,000 and I was so heavily in debt and it was it was honestly like winning the lottery so it was amazing um so I have everything to be thankful for um and the thing I'm most thankful for is that it was early in television and a lot of people didn't see it (laughs) so
1: a lot of people can now find it quite easily that is the thing another exceptional job you've
0: had is you were a warm-up act for the studio recordings of that Mitchell and Weblook television show weren't you was that an eye-opening experience was that quite a scary experience having to warm up an audience for this sketch show
2: done your research incredibly well, well we try We I'm try. very our best. impressed very impressed with this um you could be investigative journalists or indeed private eyes um yes so that was an amazing job and um, mitchell and webb are divine you know just really really lovely people and it was a you know a really easy job sometimes as a warm-up act and i did it quite a bit actually back in the day it can be very difficult because you've got you know often a studio audience have applied for tickets to sort of anything and they're like oh yeah we'll come and be a studio audience and they don't know what they're going to see and I've done lots of, um, sort of pilots for sitcoms so you know like just trying out sitcoms or sketch shows and it's really difficult because people don't know what they're coming to um, but Mitchell and Webb is extraordinary and the um, Sir Digby Chicken Caesar Salad or whatever it's called Those I loved those so much And all the, you know, the classic, the Nazis, are we the baddies sketch that is all over social media now because it's such a sort of really always appropriate in every situation, people not realising they're the baddies. Sort of seeing an audience see that for the first time was amazing because, you know, you just are seeing the kind of raw delight of people discovering something that is going to go on to be a sort of classic. So that was very good. I also was the warm up for Paul O'Grady's sitcom Eyes Down, set in a bingo hall, which starred a young Sheridan Smith
1: Blimey, I didn't, um, I didn't know that actually. I didn't know that.
2: Oh god, it was that was a really lovely job because Paul O'Grady and Sheridan Smith and everyone else who was in the cast for that were just lovely as well. I mean, it's very rare that you work with absolute bell ends in um, television, but it does happen occasionally.
1: Oh, that's lovely. Um, you're often labelled in inverted commas an amateur quizzer, but I think you're a little bit more than an amateur quizzer. I mean, you've you've, put, you've done Celebrity Masterminds, we said. You've done The Weakest Link. You have your own podcast, which is Fingers on Buzzers, isn't it? I mean you're clearly a lot better than an amateur. How do you do it? Uh, do you revise a lot? Are you just naturally inquisitive? Have you got a brain like a sponge and always have done? What, what What is your technique?
2: Well, I used to have a really good memory, which was why I loved quizzing. And now I'm in my late 40s <laughs> and my memory started to go. But I've discovered that you can still, you know, I, for one thing, I think I'm trying to hold on to my faculties in middle years. Uh, but also I have discovered some of the secrets because I do our podcast Fingers on buzzes with Jenny Ryan, the vixen off of the chase, as, as you may know her. And she is phenomenal. I mean, she knows everything and she also knows how to acquire knowledge. And so if you're watching telly with her or whatever, it is sort of quite irritating because she's like oh yeah he was in that and that and that and that and she did this and the director of this also and it's like her brain is constantly making connections and you know she's just always on she's always sort of switched on and thinking and it's it's been a joy to watch and learn from her you've done 13
0: one woman shows throughout your career uh, the most recent being in Edinburgh Festival 2019 the show Be Prepared and you're going back on tour with that show when it's all okay to do so I mean how do you find doing those 13? I mean that is an incredible number. I don't know many people who have done that. That's
1: phenomenal.
2: <laughs> well, it's just it's just something I do every year. I just pop out a little Edinburgh show and uh, it's my favorite thing. I love the Edinburgh Festival and I love touring and that is why I am feeling so bereft at the moment because you know at the moment I should be touring the show that I should have done at the Edinburgh Festival, which I didn't do. And so now I'm going to go back on the road the minute I can get back on the road with uh, the show that I – you know ironically entitled be prepared in 2019 <laughs> it's all about um it's, it was based on the fact that i um my kids had started going to scouts and i was talking about being in the brownies and so you know all of the stuff of the scouts going be prepared and the idea of how you can actually be prepared for life for adult life and i was talking about climate change and about brexit and you know not in great depth but kind of saying well of course you know we know that these are things that are happening how can we be prepared for them and then the whole world just changed overnight and covid happened and it's like well yeah it just goes to show it proves the point of my show which is you can never really be prepared for anything you've just got to keep you've just got to keep bloody plugging on haven't you that's all any of us can do is just try and put one foot in front of the other and keep going.
0: Absolutely. I assume with those one-woman shows and touring you spend a lot of time in hotels uh, and do you get to watch a lot of television in the evenings sort of late night television with them?
2: Well, I mean this prize that I'm very excited to have won <laughs> of a uh, a hotel trip to Preston. I mean I've done exactly what we're creating here really. Yeah, I mean I've spent days, months, years probably of my life in travel lodges and Premier Inns you know, wearing a sh- wearing shower cap, eating a small packet of bourbon biscuits, and uh, watching whatever's on the telly. And I, yeah, I love. I mean, I love telly. I've always loved telly, and it is a great comfort when you are on your own, away from home, to uh, just sort of stick on a you know, I don't know, a bargain hunt in the uh, middle of the day. <laughs>
0: uh, well, let's get on with it. Uh, congratulations, Lucy Porter. You've won a luxury weekend break to the idyllic city of Preston, where you'll be spending all your time in the finest twin bedroom. Preston. Preston's Travelodge has to offer. It's common knowledge there's little to do in Preston other than to sit in bed all day and watch television. We hope you have a very pleasant stay. So you've got four TV shows that you get to take to Preston for this weekend trip. You have to watch those shows on repeat and you'll get a couple of bonus choices as well with those. Uh, So your first choice is going to be a TV show that makes you think of your childhood.
2: This is going to be related to the northwest of England and I feel you have done Preston. In a great disservice there, because actually every week
1: we feel bad for slacking it off, but we've gone too far now that we can't stop. <laughs> we've never <laughs> okay, even well, been. It, it, it's the it's the most never... unfounded it's the most unfounded prejudice you can possibly get. But we thought we'd roll with it. Now we've started, so we finish. Oh
2: well, I mean, you you are missing an absolute treat. But uh, the 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 northwest of England is involved in my childhood choice, not because I grew up in the northwest of England, but because uh, the show I'm choosing is Chalton and the Wheelies. You, right, it, that, it, that that
1: was fake. For I. Me. Like I, I've and never wheelies. heard of Charleston the Wheelies.
0: I love it. I just got it. And I think I had some DVDs of it as well. It's kind of a little spooky animation, isn't it? Tell us a little bit more about it.
2: No, it was an early Cosgrove Hall animation. So, of course, Cosgrove Hall, we all love for Danger Mouse and various other things. But when I was growing up, so this would have been on when I was about sort of three three, four, five, that kind of, this was my Teletubbies or my in the night garden, um, but it's much funnier. Well, I mean, there's very funny things on kids TV at the moment. If you haven't seen Hey Dougie, I think that's one of the loveliest, funniest, warmest things. And um, I suppose Chawton and the Wheelies is kind of the equivalent of that. It was this sweet dot motion show uh, about a dragon Chalton, who lived in uh, Wheelie Town, and his enemy, but she wasn't really his enemy, was Fenella the Kettle Dragon. So uh, it was named after Chalton Cum Hardy in Manchester, which is where I ended up living. And I think that maybe I chose eventually to live in Chalton Cum Hardy because of chalton and the Wheelies, because I absolutely loved it so much. And the, the premise of it was that uh, chalton uh, would defeat Fenella. So Chalton was, he was a dragon, but he looked like a dog. It was a very cynically manipulated dragon look that made it very appealing and puppyish and he protected the residents the wheelies against Fenella the Kettle Witch by showering her with love and killing her with kindness and that was the whole message of the show was that you can defeat evil and hatred with love and kindness and I think it's a beautiful message for our times and one of the most remarkable things about it and the thing I really love is that the guy who did the narration just does a series of British regional accents mostly there's a couple of European accents in there um, and it, they're not always brilliant but he really goes for it and and so Chalton is, oh, you know, sort of Lancastrian, but sometimes a bit Yorkshire as well. And uh, he uses vernacular that even when I was watching in the 70s, was probably quite outdated. So he says everything's re-gradly and um, he's just a really appealing character. And then Fenella has a sort of a Welsh accent that again can vary wildly from show to show and moment to moment, but it's, uh, it's brilliant. And then she's got an Irish telescope and she's She's got a German spellbook, and uh, it's and then the Chiltern's best friend, who's a wheelie, is a cockney. And um, can I just go on? Yeah, of course, of course, please can. do. Sorry.
1: Every time I hear cockney, the bell goes as well.
2: Apparently, the bells, the bell bells <laughs> are ringing. Hang on.
1: I like and the wheelies. Do you? I haven't heard. I it,
0: do. Actually. Yeah. They live in um. They live in I think called Wheelie World.
2: Sorry about that. That's okay. I was going to curse my husband for having.
1: Don't no, don't worry. It's all. Is it parcel? Ordered something,
2: but it was actually for me. Ah. I can open it live on air. It's this is TV like an un-
1: unboxing video on YouTube or something. <laughs> Very relaxing.
2: Here we go. I'll show you what this is because this is a um, a prize for our fingers on buzzers live show. Oh wow! That we're doing. I we ordered this off eBay.
1: This is a and first a on ride. the show. No one's ever unboxed a parcel live before. Yeah. This is great.
2: Well, it is related. To the television channel that we all know and love. There we go. Look, it's a challenge TV. Oh, my goodness. The wow. Original mug, never available in the shops. Uh, it's got a handle in the shape of a question mark. Guess how much? Guess how much that was?
0: Oh, I think it's probably quite
1: expensive. I'm going to say cheap. I'm going to say one ninety
0: nine. I'm going to say like forty quid.
2: Well, I can <laughs> tell you now, the correct answer was ninety nine p. Wow. Ninety nine p. What for
1: a TV uh, relic like that? That's not bad, is it?
2: That's amazing. Anyway, sorry. Right, where were we? Children
1: <laughs> and the wheelies. Um, how did you watch that as a kid? Did you have siblings? Were you an only child?
2: I was the youngest of three, and uh, my sisters, both of whom had left home, very much older. As I like to remind them constantly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I was alone at home a lot and I did watch a lot of television. My mum and dad were keen fans of telly. They watched Coronation Street obsessive, like they were properly obsessed with Coronation Street and they believed that everyone in it was their friends.
1: Aww.
2: And uh, so, yeah, so I watched the absolute spots off the television. <laughs> Uh, the second TV choice is a TV show
0: that gets you laughing.
2: Oh, well this is a- impossible. I think we are living in a brilliant era for television comedy. And there's so much on that I absolutely love. I mean, this country, I think, is one of the funniest things that's ever been produced. I think that the Coopers are absolute genius. I really love King Gary as well. Have you seen that yes, one? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I-, I think that's brilliant. Anyway, I will go a little bit back in time. And I was very tempted to go for a classic like, Porridge, I think, is one of the all-time finest television programmes, let alone sitcoms, ever made. I think Ronnie Barker is an absolute genius, and I think every episode of that is is kind of almost perfection. Richard Beckinsale is one of the true loves of my life. But I've decided to go for something else. I'm going to go for One Foot in the Grave. Okay, oh, so this is
1: the absolute classic. About eight series running, wasn't it, with Richard Wilson as the titular Victor Meldrew. It is yeah. absolutely brilliant. It's one of our favourites as well. We've yeah. never had this on the show could you explain for any viewers that don't know what it's about what what it is about and how the world revolves around this curmudgeonly old man
2: yeah it's sort of everything that you would think a sitcom shouldn't be, it's kind of or oh, it's a grumpy old man. And I think I've I, I didn't really get it when it was first out. I was a little bit older and I was a bit cool, and I was like, oh God, it's just sort of it's white, male, pale, stale, whatever, you know, it's like this isn't about relevant, interesting, important things. And I was just a bit of a dick generally about it. And um, in latter years, in fact, when my first child was born and I was breastfeeding her and in the long nights where you're kind of sat up, just sort of nothing really to do. I discovered on UK TV Gold that they were repeating one foot in the grave and I happened upon it and I laughed so much that I dislodged my child from the breast <laughs> on a number of occasions <laughs> and had to apologise to her. for She was sort of bouncing off my lap because I found it so painfully funny and it is excruciating. I think it was a really early example of kind of excruciating Chasing comedy that then things like The Office kind of really made incredibly popular. But it is cringy, it's terrifying. One foot in the grave is a guy who's been thrown on the scrap heap he's got a security guard job and he gets made redundant and he can't get another job and he's kind of too old really to re-enter the labour market so he's kind of forced into retirement him and his wife are suddenly spending all their time together having not really seen that much of each other for their married years so there's the kind of crisis of their relationship there's his kind of not even midlife crisis his three-quarter life crisis I I suppose and the humanity of his descent into madness but nobody cares because he is older and it's got so much to say about ageism. Even though it is about Victor Maldrew principally, actually the female characters are all amazing in it, like his wife and Mrs. Warboys who is just irritating to him and she is the bane of his life. But from the outside, she's a fairly inoffensive kind of older woman and it's got brilliant bits of farce in it. There's so many great farcical situations like there's a famous one with the tortoise where you know you see the tortoise and it's the classic sitcom setup of we've got to be very careful to look after this tortoise. And you know All tortoise is going to die, but you cannot imagine how it's going to happen and how agonising it's going to be and how brilliantly funny. So I kind of think it's like a British Frasier meets Ever Decreasing Circles, meets The Office. It's, it's just, it, it, again, just sort of perfection and all the little observations about the way that neighbours relate, about the way that husbands and wives relate, and about, you know, and I, I speak as someone who was, brought up in suburbia and has moved back to suburbia having said never will i live in the suburbs again when i left home i was like i am a big city girl now i'm only gonna ever live within (laughs) the sound of bow bells or the you know whatever the sound of oxford circus or the sound of piccadilly station or the sound of anything but the suburbs and now look at me here i am watching One Foot in the Grave, breastfeeding a child and worrying about my lawn. (laughs) It is just brilliant.
1: I mean, the, the writer and creator David Rennick must have known he had an absolute star on his hands in that character and the actor as well because whenever anyone is grumpy, they're called a victim elder, aren't they? They're called that that noun. And it's great. He's actually so unlikable. They always say, make your main character, you know, dislikable and also likable. But He's so unlikable, but because he's so extreme, he's an anti-hero, isn't he? And then you see that come back in like Malcolm Tucker in the thick of it. These anti-heroes can actually become likable because they're so horrible.
2: Yeah, there's a twinkle and there's a humanity and there is a sort of hope. And also, I suppose his relationship with his wife sort of keeps him him it's you sort of trust well if she loves him then there must be something lovable in him
1: that's a wonderful wonderful option i think it's an absolute classic
0: let's move on to your first bonus choice which is the tv personality who you're going to spend the weekend in preston with and currently they're going to be watching chilton and the wheelies and one foot in the grave who's this going to be
2: (laughs) Well, it would be a treat for anyone, wouldn't it, really? Um, I would like someone that I could learn from because I am keen to improve my quizzing. So I am going to go for Mary Beard. Now, I'm quite
1: unfamiliar with Mary Beard. And for anyone that isn't as well, could you explain who she is, what she's up to, what she does?
2: She is a historian, Mm -hmm. a classical historian and a great academic. um, But she does sort of popular history programmes, particularly about stuff like the Romans. And uh, she drew great attention when she first hit television because she looked so unlike everyone's idea of a TV presenter because she was an older woman and she had long flowing grey hair and I loved the outcry of people saying get this woman off our screen she doesn't she's not even tried to brush her hair <laughs> and um, that sort of not giving a damn kind of aspect of her I really like and she's dead clever. So yeah, that would be, I think, a very fun weekend in the Travelodge.
1: Are you keen on your Romans and your Roman history? Is that something you'd like to learn about?
2: Yes, well, it's a gap in my knowledge, you see. So Ah. that's what you always have to be. When you're thinking about quiz, you've always got to think. I mean, really, who I should hole up with is a sports presenter because that is the main gap in my knowledge that's very strategic
1: of you though people like to play mm. it safe and go for someone they know they'll get on with but you you're challenging yourself constantly aren't you because you've got this brain this insatiable appetite for knowledge so you've chosen someone that's going to fill in the gaps in your knowledge that's very very shrewd
2: having been a stand-up comedian on the road for 20 odd years now um i've spent many weekends in hotels with people who i've never met before and you would just get You get thrown together with because comedians basically, we are like traveling salesmen. And, you know, you pitch up at a comedy club and, yeah, you you may never have met this person before. I remember meeting a uh, comedian called Mark Mayer, who's brilliant, and the first time I met him, we ended up, we were in Birmingham and we were checking into the hotel and we were like, oh, I see you're on the bill as well. Shall we, um, oh, let's go to the cinema during the day because that's one of the best things about being a comedian is you get to go to the cinema during the day before your gig. And uh, we went to see a film called Audition. When you've never met someone sitting through a Japanese torture porn movie... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the most bonding experiences there's a point where a woman dressed as a schoolgirl cuts off a man's leg and we were never having met each other we were sort of clasping each other in horror and terror
0: let's move on to your third tv choice which is a tv show that gets you sweating
2: in terms of things that are tense and make me sweat, what I'm massively into is documentaries. And there has never been a better time to be alive as a fan of documentaries because, of course, you, you'd never get a documentary on primetime telly. You would occasionally, on BBC Two, you'd get like a Nick Broomfield or something. But now, having on-demand services just been a joy for me. And I there's nothing I love more than a slightly terrifying documentary about true crime, or particularly cults and i think i find it really terrifying because i feel i am a very suggestible person and i i'm a people pleaser i want to be liked and i know that if a cult leader were to get hold of me i would sign up in a heartbeat i would be that here's my life savings paint me orange shave my head <laughs> here I am. so that's that's kind of what does it for me that's what really terrifies me things like wild wild country have you seen that one? no i haven't seen that i just find it really really interesting well, Wild, Wild Country is about a cult that uh, took over a, a kind of rural sprawl in America in the 1980s. And it's got all that brilliant stuff of 80s footage. So I'm terrified, but also nostalgic. Yeah, nostalgia is oh, powerful, isn't it? Look at the leg warmers, look at their big hair and all of that. Uh, And it's really fascinating about how people were kind of drawn into this cult that suddenly went very dark. And it always comes from a place of happiness and love. And, you know, the the key factor to look out for is if you are in a group of attractive young people who are all having a lot of sex, you're probably in a cult because that isn't normal. (laughs) It's not normal for young people to be A, attractive and B, having a lot of sex. And, you know, luckily that never happened to me. No. Uh, (laughs) but it's the every cult every cult that you just get it's it's a guy who basically wants to have intercourse with a lot of attractive young people and they set this up and then eventually you are going to end up either dead or killing someone else so just you know this is my warning to the young people (laughs) just
1: don't join a cult
2: ugly and celibate like i was
1: the main ideology of of the cult to start off with what was the main message because they always have to sort of start with a with some sort of facade. Vigilantes, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, it's always that sort of slightly woolly, let's all love each other, and, you know, society is wrong... And the only way we can put society right is by moving somewhere really remote and taking all our clothes off. You know, that's...
1: (laughs) It's the only way sometimes, isn't
2: it? I think it's really interesting that you look at these documentaries about cults and things and, and, you know, you do think, oh, well, I'd never fall for that. What did? What were they thinking? And then you think, yeah, but I'm so unshakable in some of my own beliefs and people will believe some really weird stuff. And this whole, the whole flat earthers thing, you go, yeah, it's just, it's for a sense of belonging and, you know, we... We all worry that fascism is on the rise and it is because people just want a sense of belonging and you know what gang am i part of and who's going to make me feel sort of valued and like my life is worthwhile and it is yeah it's, it's very very scary maybe we should just cut to the chase and all start going and having sex in fields that's <laughs> we uh... run out
1: of fields that's the only problem <laughs> yeah. wonderful that's... wonderful stuff we'll absolutely add wild, wild country to the list cults are endlessly fascinating <laughs> Your final TV show is your free hit. It can be
0: any show. Let's say it's a show you couldn't live without. Uh, It can be any TV show from any genre. There's no specific subcategory for this. It's whatever you would like.
2: Now, this is not what I would have thought I was going to pick, but what's popped into my head yeah. is Roseanne. So Roseanne, when her show started on Channel 4, it was an absolute revelation because she, again, was not very likable. So of everyone in the sitcom Roseanne, mm-hmm. she was the least likable character. It was I think there was a kind of 90s vogue for in America for giving stand-ups a sitcom vehicle, whether they could act or not. And so, I mean, like Seinfeld, again, I mean, actually, Seinfeld would be something that I think I probably couldn't live without. And I've probably watched more of in my life than anything else. Um, Jerry Seinfeld is not the best actor in that show. And, um, And similarly, Roseanne was she she wasn't the best actor and she wasn't the most likable character, but she was really funny and she was a woman who, you know, she was like someone you'd seen a soap opera and she was the star of her own sitcom. And I think that was really influential for me, just thinking, oh, my God, there's this woman who isn't glamorous. Like in British sitcoms, it seemed like if you're a woman, you were either a dragon or a dolly bird and that was it. You know, yeah. you're either the, oh, the wife, where have you been? Oh, it's it's midnight and you're still not in. Are you drunk again? Or you were the sort of thimpering little, oh, you're so funny kind of dolly can I, bird. Can I get
1: you anything else, darling?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I kind of felt and you know much as I had loved lots of sitcoms I think anne made a real impact on me because I was like oh this is great she's just a sort of normal woman with normal problems who's a bit of an asshole a lot of the time and she's got this great family and I loved John Goodman and still have a massive crush on John Goodman I think
0: <laughs> and you're right with the cast as well because there was Laurie Metcalf and Sarah Gilbert a really good cast I think it ran for was it 10 series which is yeah. an extraordinary long time
2: but it was a really important show actually and I think it's, it's a shame often because if people tarnish their reputation in latter years you kind of forget the good stuff that they did. Well it ran for so long it ran from 1988 to
0: 2018
1: Blimey. So that is no, a it, very long with, with time. With a break presumably. Yeah.
0: yeah
2: They revived it didn't
0: they? What do you think of TV show revivals? Are you normally a fan? Uh, a little bit like Porridge we were speaking about earlier. That that They brought that back. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah I, I mean it's very difficult isn't it? I think Obviously, everybody wants to, I mean, we're all very nostalgic. And then, like, my husband has been in revivals of both Reggie Perrin and Are You Being Served? And neither of those really went anywhere. And I think, yeah, people think they want what they know, but actually they don't. And it is kind of, as a writer and as a performer, it is frustrating when you see, oh, yeah, they've decided to, you know, they're reviving, like, whatever old format it is. And you think, well, could you not commission something? Thing new we're all trying to come up with new ideas but obviously it's more of a risk so I understand why they do it
0: it's like still open all hours isn't it well yeah java jason yeah. turned into Arkwright, right yeah. even though that literally wa- wasn't his character no, at all I know, he was I a know. sweetheart strange yeah really odd very strange
1: okay roseanne is in there roseanne is in there in the travel lodge lovely that's your four telly choices done you've got a
0: second bonus uh, choice to choose and that is your unlimited food or snack supply item you're going to get unlimited supply to munch on these throughout the entire weekend?
2: Well, there's only one choice for me, which is well, I say only one choice. Actually, it could be either Quality Street or Roses, but it's a boxed chocolate selection. Ooh. Okay, well, let,
1: let's press you on one. You obviously like them both Quality Street or Roses. Gun to your head.
2: I'm go Quality Street, actually.
1: Quality Street. I'm a huge fan of Quality Street, and I would choose Quality Street as well. What are your mm. favourites in the box?
2: Well, I'm a fruit creams person. So I'm the most popular girl in Christmas time because okay. everybody else likes your caramels and your sort of nuts and your nougars. And uh, yeah, fruit creams often overlooked and i completely clean up i'm
0: absolutely with you there i much prefer those i hate nuts notoriously so the coconut ones and all those ones the big purple one with just which is just nut smothering a tiny bit of chocolate
1: that's out the window strawberry cream is a winner that is a real oh, it's winner. A one, yeah. it's a delight it's a green triangle as well i mean that's actually kind of pointless oh, that's isn't disgusting it? it's it's all right it's just got an infusion of mint but it's actually kind of pointless yeah it's a bit gritty it, it is a little bit gritty. Yeah.
2: Gritty, that's a very, very good mm. description. It is word a little bit that. gritty. I, I,
1: I like a quality street. I'm, I'm certainly with you. You're going to offer some to Mary Beard as well?
2: Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be like Christmas. Because it's always, to me, that's what Christmas is sitting in front of the telly with a selection box of chocolates.
1: And they get
0: smaller every year, don't they? Those boxes. Yeah. You hardly
2: get any chocolates in them. It's a disgrace.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is quite annoying. Well, actually. you
2: need to buy a tub these days, love. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, you've got yeah, to have a tub. You've got yeah, to have a tub. The tub's other, the only way to then. go. And in fact, I have got an old 1980 tin of quality street i mean and you look at that and you go bloody hell that was a tin right that was now a tin in the tuffs, we say that the portions are getting smaller I mean radically so with Quality Street because it was like a proper full tin of chocolates and I can if I ever want to pick myself up I will just get some Quality Street and put them in my original Quality Street tin and uh, lie in front of the telly under a du- always under a duvet got to have a duvet.
1: Even if it's 50 degrees you know you've got to. <laughs> that sounds delightful and someone that would be absolutely disapproving of the downsizing of the Quality Street tins would be Victor Meldra himself um, (laughs) he would absolutely despise that
2: what would he say I wonder (laughs)
1: Mm, I wonder
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's go
0: through your choices so your TV choice that makes you think of your childhood is Chilton and the wheelies your TV choice that gets you laughing is one foot in the grave you are taking Mary Beard with you as your TV personality your sweating TV choice is wild wild country and your free hit is Roseanne and you're going to be taking unlimited supply of quality streets selection tub not a box with you does that sound like a good weekend to you in preston
2: i cannot bloody wait <laughs> bring it on
1: i cannot believe it <laughs> sensational thank you so much lucy you've been a delight we've had some lovely choices here
2: i'm gonna go up and fill my uh, fill my challenge tv mug full of quality street now
0: Well, there we go. That was Lucy Porter's episode of You Have Been Watching. What a lovely, I know it's says all the time, but what a lovely, lovely woman she was. We're not lying this time. We're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: she's famously uh, apparently a lovely person to meet and although we had to do it over video call, she was absolutely delightful and charming and knew a lot about TV. She really did.
0: Uh, she started with the cult TV classic uh, Cholton and the Wheelies, which I love. Uh, I think I had a DVD of it when I was younger that had all the classics on like button moon and that kind of
1: thing as well so i used to love those yeah i have to say it passed me by 1979 i think yeah. it was around
0: i showed you a little clip from chalk in the wheelies didn't i and it is the same guy who just does all these dreadful voices <laughs> ah like it's me the witch i hope you will kind of i don't
1: know what that was that uh, yeah. wasn't welsh at all the narrator's irish for some reason the main character is welsh I just, it's got a nice feel to it it's got the gentle feel that in the night garden i think has replicated yeah I which also right. was a Probably a bit young for us Yeah, you'd think <laughs> <laughs> I know you watched it For several years More than you should have done Yeah, I did I was fascinated by it <laughs> Yeah, right uh,
0: The TV choice that got her laughing Was One Foot in the Grave One of our absolute favourites I think we've both got the box set Oh, absolutely
1: It's a big, thick boy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's got yeah, like yeah.
0: Eight compartments Of loads mm. of DVDs in them It's great
1: Richard Wilson Annette Crosby is the lead Just a very grumpy old man She explained why it's so great But it is really a classic, isn't it?
0: She's taking Mary Beard with her As her TV personality I wasn't particularly familiar
1: with Mary Beard, but you'd heard of her, hadn't you? I had heard of her a bit. Um, I'm not that familiar. I'm not that good on my historians, but she's a Roman historian. I do recognise her, actually. And she's the sort of person that might frequent a documentary series about the Roman times. Um, I feel like she might have been on Time Team before, but I've completely made that up. <laughs> Wild World Country. She was a fan of cult
0: documentaries. We're very much the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone loves true crime. Everyone's got a fascination, a morbid curiosity with true crime documentaries. And there are so many... Many about now with Netflix and Amazon and all the streaming services so I can see why she would go for that they're a kind of comfort we are freaks as humans though aren't we that we love the weird and the wacky
0: yeah I think we like not being associated with it
1: mm. even though we're all part of our own cults elsewhere Absolutely. Whether it's a football team, whether it's being a fan of an actor, fan pages of stuff. we are all We're all in our own cults in a way.
0: And the show that I hadn't heard of was Roseanne, but running at 10 series long has to have been very successful.
1: Yes, it's American sitcom, isn't it? And we're pretty rubbish on American sitcoms, but Channel 4 always get the imports. Um, And I feel like I have seen a a trailer of it before, but Roseanne was, was her pick after some deliberation for the show she couldn't live without.
0: She is taking Quality Street Selection Tub. With her, not a box. Mustn't get a box.
1: Yeah, I rate that, and I have to say, there's two things I forgot to tell her I liked because I know she really cares: is the <laughs> toffee penny and the. Ooh. No, I'm a big fan of that. No,
0: Luke, Why? you can never get the toffee penny perfect. It's either so sticky to the wrapper that it's kind of sticking to it, and you've got to kind of like lick it off with your teeth or whatever, or it's like really hard, and you break your teeth chewing it. You can never get it right.
1: Well, I like it, and I also like the chocolate toffee stick. It's kind oh, of like a pillar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we can agree classic. on that. We can. Definitely agree on that. Yeah, really rated that choice, and I can't believe no one's chosen that before. Actually,
0: I tell you what does taste of shit though. It's the <laughs> it's the chalk block. It's not quite a what dairy milk. What is the chalk block? The blue it, one. It's, it's green. Oh, that's coconut. It's like but it's like a block of chocolate. They can't be green because
1: they're trying. No, it green. is green. I'm telling you now. It's a dark green then. Well, it's just green. Well oh, well the trying the, the triangle's like yeah, No light that's green. light green, yes. Well yeah.
0: a slightly darker green then. Yeah. Ah, the chalk block. It, it's just a, a little small block of chocolate. It's quite
1: large. Well it's not small then, is it?
0: <laughs> well no no, but it's not like a flat piece of chocolate. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a block. It's a chunky it's block It's a chunky chocolate choc block, about.
1: yeah. I don't really know the chalk block. No, let me get it up for you. Look. I beg your pardon.
0: You will yeah. <laughs> Didn't
1: <laughs> you know you, know you liked know. it that much.
0: No, but it really does taste like arse. Chocolate block. No, not chocolate block. There you go. Oh uh, yeah,
1: got you. got you. You know what I mean? Nine seventy five? Get away.
0: Is that just for fifty chop blocks? Fi-
1: yeah, that's not too bad. Nine seventy-five. I thought it was nine seventy-five a piece. I thought you could. I didn't no, know you no, could that, buy them individually. That's still
0: awful. Uh, you get fifty in like a box of
1: quality straights. Yeah. No, I do know what you mean now. The chop block is a bit crap, to be fair. Yeah.
0: I tell you what, I'm really glad she didn't choose roses. Why? I hate them. Really? Oh, there's not really one I like. I
1: much prefer quality sweets. Yeah. Oh, they're like so they're so nutty and they're just they're just half-ass sweets. Save that in case someone does choose roses. You know, then we slag it off. Well, massively. I
0: won't be speaking to them because they're <laughs> wrong. They're, they're not wrong at They're way.
1: not that bad. But quality sweets are superior. The superior yeah, Christmas tub snack. Thank you very much to Lucy Porter. She was a wonderfully eccentric and kind mm. guest.
0: And she shall be getting a box of Quality Streets in the post. A
1: tub. A tub, not a box. <laughs> Don't take the piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have a lovely week. And you. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye.